Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Let's continue our series on symptoms today and talk about pee. <laughs> talk about pee me i didn't intend to laugh actually but it was it was really well delivered it was good yeah, well thanks thanks also can i just say for a second i just love that that the series on symptoms is sos that of was that, i mean that's pretty good for like two people who have no experience in pr or marketing it's the sos the series can i tap symptoms. us on the back through the microphone because that's what i'm doing right now Cool. Tap, 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 tap. All right, now I'm ready. I'm done okay. laughing about pee. I won't pee. Anytime you no, say pee, no, I won't laugh. You just said that's a bold-faced <laughs> lie. That's the whole point. We're talking about pee-pee stuff. All right. For this series, we picked some of the most commonly asked about symptoms that we field in the exam room, on the sideline, and via text messages. So the statement usually starts with, uh, I think I might have a UTI, but really the context is like, and peeing is uncomfortable. Help me. It hurts. It burns. I feel like I have to go all the time. I don't like it. What do I do? So pee problems, we'll call it that, or UTI symptoms are usually a group of a few symptoms. In medicine, we lump them together and, all, and call it all dysuria. So dysuria can mean urinary frequency, urgency, but mainly it's the, that pain and burning with urination. These symptoms can be super uncomfortable and a simple bodily function, which we do many times a day, can be a dreadful experience. But thankfully, in most cases, dysuria symptoms can be relatively easily addressed and their root cause treated very simply. So, Jeremy, are you ready to hop into what to know when it sucks to go? You're you're too much for me. <laughs> That's a yes. We're at number one. That's so good. <laughs> Let's do it. Welcome to your doctor friends, the show that teaches you to sniff out the garbage and answers all the questions that you wish you could call or text your doctor friend. My name's Julie Bruni. And I'm Jeremy Allen. And we are two physicians who work at a nationally ranked practice and take care of some of the world's greatest athletes. We know that you have questions and we want to help. We want to be your doctor friends. All right. So we like to break these series on symptoms, SOSs, down systematically. So first, starting with some background on the epidemiology and the pathophysiology. So who gets it? Why does it happen? And what is this symptom signaling in our body? What's our body trying to tell us? And then we delve into the what do I do section, meaning how do I make these symptoms go away safely and sustainably? And then when should I be more concerned or seek out a higher level of care? I like to think of it as what it is and what to do. So let's jump right in to what it is. Take it away, Jeremy. Yeah, this is great. I mean, that except for the fact that I keep laughing every time we say pee, this is an awesome um, topic. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so pr- for the purposes of this discussion, we will talk about the most common symptoms related to acute uncomplicated cystitis. Say that t- five times fast. Acute uncomplicated cystitis, which is realistically the fancy way of saying a simple urinary tract infection. Mm-hmm. We just sound smarter when we say acute uncomplicated <laughs> cystitis. Um just for clarity's sake, itis in Latin or in or in medicine implies inflammation, mm-hmm. cyst meaning the bladder. So it does actually make sense if you break it down in that way. Certainly some of these symptoms can point to other root causes, but for simplicity, brevity's sake, we're going to try to stay focused and really just answer the reason why you texted us. I think I have a UTI. What the hell do I do now? So Dysuria, as Julie so eloquently put it before, usually encompasses burning pain with urination, 
also urinary frequency, meaning you're going more often, or frankly, the need to sometimes feel like I have to go more often, but maybe I'm not going. Like, I just always feel like I have to go. And these symptoms typically occur when urine comes in contact with the inflamed mucosal lining of the urinary tract. So this is like the bladder and urethra. When when you hear the word mucosa, you think of kind of like the slippery substance uh, uh, surfaces that we have in our body. So the inside of your lips. And so in this case, the bladder and urethra. There is a very special muscle that sits inside the bladder. It is one of my favorite muscles that I learned when I was in uh, uh, medical school because it is called the detrusor muscle. The detrusor muscle helps to push urine out of the bladder. You don't technically have all that much control over your detrusor muscle. It is kind of one of those ones that works automatically. Um, mm-hmm. So when you use your other accessory muscles to do the pushing, it is not the detrusor, which is why I love the detrusor. It's got a mind of its own. Um, And it's differently stimulated um, when the mucosal lining is inflamed. So when you've got your normal mucosa, the detrusor does its thing. When it's inflamed, the detrusor says, this shit is whack and I need to do something different. (laughs) So coupled with increased bladder muscle peristalsis, Wow, that's awesome. Increased bladder muscle peristalsis. So meaning small intrinsic contractions of the bladder wall itself. So peristalsis, I think a lot of times we think of the GI tract with things that are squeezing. Same thing happens again in our bladder. We get these small contractions in the bladder and it contributes to this like, I think I got to go. I think I got to go. But in reality, it's just like these small like uh, uh, shot fakes. Like, no, you don't really have to go. We're just we're just kind of like, you know, uh, uh, fucking with you. So uh, as the feeling continues, you you, you just also when you do go, you like don't fully empty your bladder. So it's this combination of there actually is some urine in there. So Mm -hmm. overall, I think what I just depicted was a very uncomfortable situation that leads to texting someone like Julie or myself. And that's why we're talking about it. Um, one more thing for clarity's sake, before I hand the microphone back off to Julie, um, outside of UTI, other conditions can cause symptoms like this. So we really want people to understand that this is not to replace all medical advice, but things like prostatitis. So inflammation of the prostate, interstitial cystitis. So again, inflammation of the bladder, but it's coming from a different cause than an infection. Some sexually transmitted illnesses, STIs can cause similar symptoms kidney stones, bladder stones. It's not an exhaustive list, but you get the idea that, that, that UTI is probably the most common cause of this, but it is not the only cause of this. So hopefully I did that justice, Julie. What do you got for me? You did. So yeah, let's continue our, what it is. So who gets this? What's the incidence and the prevalence? So not surprisingly, since we're dedicating a whole episode to it, these symptoms are wildly common and UTIs are one of the leading causes of morbidity and healthcare expenditures in persons of all ages. So about 7 million office visits and 1 million hospitalizations in the U.S. are due to UTIs, and they cost about a billion dollars annually. So an estimated 40% of women have reported having UTI in their lives. So having a shorter urethra is a risk factor for experiencing a UTI as the most common cause of a UTI comes from the upward migration of bacteria, very often E. coli, although there's some other bugs that do it too, that lives in the perineal area. Remember the perineum? Remember when we talked about the perineum with Ryan? Remember that? We did We did talk about the perineum. We also had some perineal talk with our Lance Frank man. So we, we, we've true. been to the perineum a few times. We've been to the perineum a few times. Just don't, you don't need to sun it. You don't, you don't need to get a suntan in that region. Not helpful. Doesn't prevent a UTI. <laughs> yeah, probably not a risk factor either. So, <laughs> Shut up. 
So um, there's also other folks. Folks with higher risk factors for UTI include people who you're, uh, who use urinary catheters. So obviously, if you're introducing a foreign object into the urethra, there's more opportunity for to introduce bacteria into the bladder. And those who have people that have trouble fully emptying their bladder, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons. So like stagnant urine that's sitting in the bladder is more prone to infection. So that's kind of the epidemiology behind this. So what do we do, Jeremy? Yeah. Can I clarify something? So people who yes. have penises have a longer urethra, but they can still get UTIs. Is that, am I, am I accurate yeah. with that? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. It's just the shorter urethra of somebody without a penis is increasing their risk for a UTI. Yes. Okay. Correct. Thank you. You've helped me. All right. What to do? People don't want to help me. They want me to get onto the next thing. Okay. Thank you for the background information, Dr. Friends. It still hurts like crap when I pee. What do I do about this? Mm -hmm. um, so for the sake of the conversation, we're going to stick to tips that can be helpful to treat dysuria symptoms uh, related to acute uncomplicated cystitis. Translation, we're going to stick to tips that help treat painful peeing when you have a UTI. Mm -hmm. According to many academic organizations' publications, including the AAFP, which is the family practice one that we uh, are both a member of, the most effective treatment for this is a short course of properly selected antibiotics. I think most of us are familiar with antibiotics. Many of you listening who have had a UTI before probably could name the antibiotics that are used most frequently mm -hmm. with this. Um, but it is actually the the best treatment for it. Um, if you are concerned that you have a UTI, it's best to contact a healthcare provider for proper evaluation and diagnosis. As we mentioned, there are some other things that can cause this. You certainly don't want to take your short course of properly selected antibiotic and find out that you were having a wicked kidney stone um, yeah, or something yeah. else. Um, that being said, um, there are some other um, uh, strategies to reduce or resolve symptoms of a UTI. Um, you don't always have the ability to get an antibiotic right away, or um, you may want to be trying some things in the meantime. Um, hydration actually can matter. So drink tons and tons of water. You can actually flush out the offending pathogen from inside the bladder. Now, I will say with a small asterisk here being is if it hurts like hell to pee, this may not be yeah. your favorite recommendation we've ever made to you. Oh. But... I guess if the pain is tolerable um, and hydration is always good, especially if you have an infection, I think that this is a great, easy thing to do. Um, Over-the-counter bladder anesthetics or analgesics such as azo, which is I don't even know how to say that. Fidazopyridine. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> I wasn't just reading off a sheet of paper, was I? Um, I wrote it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 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 th that uh, can mm -hmm. azo can decrease the painful burning and spasm, spasm symptoms. So um, I, I think before I get into the famous thing about this drug, um, yeah. that may be something you could combine with drinking lots of water. So now you've done something to make it not hurt as much and you can drink lots of water and maybe flush it out. Um, the thing that every provider tells everybody who's going to uh, dabble in this medication is your pee is going to turn bright orange. Mm -hmm. So you're not dying. It's, it's, that's normal. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's coming out through your pee. Um, I think everybody listening is probably waiting for me to say like drink cranberry juice. Everybody mm -hmm. knows the cranberry juice thing, right? So our friends at examine.com love our friends at examine.com yeah. have presented helpful info about the use of cranberry juice or supplements. There's not actually a lot of great evidence that the cranberry makes the walls of the bladder slippery to the bacteria, which I think mm -hmm. a lot of people think is the cause. 
but there are some phenolic compounds in there that have some anti-inflammatory effects and actually can make the bladder more comfortable and potentially help with the UTI. So cranberry juice can help. It's just maybe not for the reason we thought. In addition, there's some weak evidence that the cranberry supplementation can actually prevent recurrent UTI. So maybe outside the scope of treating your current painful uh, UTI, but in the future, if you're somebody who has a bunch of UTIs, there are some studies that you know, you can reference or look up that talk about using cranberry juice. Although also look at the funding of those studies because um, ocean spray was a part of that. Um, so they want you buying some cranberry juice. All right. Enough, enough with uh, ocean spray and cranberry juice. Julie, when should we get concerned about UTIs now that I've told people how to feel better? Yes. So yeah. When should you get concerned? I mean, certainly we want to give people tips about how to feel better in the short term, but you know, as you just said, Jeremy, this is a situation where an antibiotic probably is indicated most of the time, as opposed to like every sniffle and sore throat that, that folks have. So, you know, when should you get concerned? We don't really recommend spending too much time waiting it out when it comes to UTI symptoms. If you start feeling that burning frequency, urgency feeling, it's smart to reach out to a healthcare provider. As again, a short course of an appropriate antibiotic can treat and resolve the infection pretty quickly in most cases. Um, so when typical dysuria morphs into bigger symptoms, so those things would be like fever, back or flank pain. Jeremy, where's your flanks? It's in my back, kind of like right under my ribs. Yeah, it's your tastiest parts, right? The flanks <laughs> didn't come. So back pain, flank pain, if you have frankly bloody urine, um, although that can happen with a simple UTI too. But if you're, if you're, there's a lot of blood coming out in there, that's probably something to be a bit more concerned about. Um, the urgency to get to a healthcare provider can escalate because untreated lower urinary tract infections can occasionally meander upstream to the kidneys and cause more in severe infections, which can require IV antibiotics and hospital stays. You know, since we mentioned that UTIs are more commonly seen in folks with short urethras, um, so those are generally those with morphologically female genitalia, uh, people who are experiencing dysuria that don't fit into this category should take these symptoms seriously as there could be more diagnostic testing uh, involved to treat the root cause. So like before, you know, men or people with penises do not have UTIs as frequently um, as people with shorter urethras. So sometimes if it's happening in a guy or someone who's never had a UTI before, it's worth looking into. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I think the last thing I want to ask you is mm -hmm. nobody wants to go to the hospital. Like the, the two questions you're going to get asked are, it hurts to pee. What do I do? And then the second thing is, do I really have to go to the ER or do I really yeah. have to go to the doctor? And so sure. I guess in bullet point form, Julie, who's going to the emergency room? Like what are the hard things where you're like, you're, you should go? Yeah. I think fever, if you're feeling sick, like if you just feel like, man, I'm feeling fluey and yucky and I just feel like crap. Um, if you can't pee, like if you're trying to pee and, and nothing coming out and it's been going on like that for a little bit, that's, that's, that's no bueno. Um, yeah, I think, uh, really bloody urine. Those are big ones. I don't know. Can you think of any other big red flags that we should tell people about? Yeah, I think in the, uh, two things come to mind and I think mm -hmm. that they're recurrent themes actually in our, in our series. But the first is if somebody looks generally just unwell, like yeah. if you have that sensor, we, we get that sensor through medical school, but listen, I mean, you live with your loved ones. You can yeah. tell like this person like looks bad. Mm -hmm. It's better not to be like, I think they'll be fine. <laughs> it's better to it, 
like if they look bad or acting weird, like change in mental status, like yeah. that person needs to be looked at. That That's the sign of maybe a systemic infection. The second thing is in the age of wearables, you usually have data on people. Like people can kind of tell you like, what's your heart rate and what's the mm-hmm. stuff. And so if I start to see people getting heart rates over like 90 to 100, if they're regular, like if there's somebody who's usually around like 60 or 70, you're starting to show like signs of pretty significant dehydration or like that you're starting to like get a fever that's making your heart rate go up. And again, those things can be treated. I mean, if you take a, a something for the fever, like a Tylenol or, or you drink some fluids and your heart rate goes down, like no reason to go off to the emergency room. But if somebody's consistently getting up into a pretty, you know, over a hundred heart rate and the things that we're doing are not getting it down, then that's somebody I would send to the emergency room too. Yeah. Good one. So that's it folks. Do you feel relieved? (laughs) So we'll be, continuing our series on symptoms in perpetuity as we probably won't run out of symptoms to cover because our bodies are weird and wild wonderlands and our symptoms are often little clues and puzzles that require some introspection and education to understand and respond to effectively. If you enjoy the series on symptoms, uh, subscribe and like, because we're going to put out more. And then, you know, in in the uh, Instagram or uh, in our email or in the comments, suggest another symptom <laughs> and we'll get all over it. Sounds good. All right. We love you. Listen to your doctor friends. <laughs> the amazing music is credited to Skillcell with Pixabay licensure. The podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast should not be taken as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult a medical professional for any medical issues that you may be having. The contents of this podcast are the opinions of the hosts only and do not reflect the opinions of their employers or affiliations. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Julie Bruni or Dr. Jeremy Allen or any guest to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast. Music